Oh, I just start. I I I was just thinking about talking about the street gang violence that I I grew up in. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, obviously. Yeah, well, of course. Hold on, you do work near a place that did just have an active shooter situation. I I I know. I was very close to that. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh fuck. Uh No, I think because it was late at night. That's when I was like, nah, Blake's not on campus. It's fine. Hey, do you still get B alerts? Yeah, I do. <laughs> do uh, was it after a period of you not getting B alerts anymore? Or do you just still get them all the time? I get them pretty frequently. I may. Okay, good. Yeah. I, I just wanted to know because I signed your number up for my B alert list. Wait, what? <laughs> Why? I just wanted to, to let you know if I was safe. I just want to let you know about my mama and my Scotty. Make sure they know that I'm safe. <laughs> I do love the fact that you were going down the list. Like, well, you get three people to add. You're like, mom, dad, Scotty. I would yeah. sign up somebody who I don't know that well, but I still have. <laughs> like, didn't I have this guy, like, in that one? I had this guy with me in English 102 that one year. And now I'm just getting B alerts about every time that he's safe. I just want to make sure you're safe, damn it. Yeah, exactly. Is he safe? We have to call Greg Williams. He took you to 102 with Scotty his sophomore year. Well, He'll know. I, I more like the idea that you forget who you signed up for your B alerts. Oh, yeah. So, poor Greg is just get Like, he's moved away. He lives in Seattle now, yeah. and he keeps getting B alerts. No, with me, I like the idea that it's not the normal B alerts where it's like, this is, like, we're in danger. Uh, there's an active shooter. Instead, it's a B alert that tells you specifically about if Blake Tanner is safe during the emergency. Well, yeah, that's why it's a B alert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. It's a B alert. That's me. It's, it's my alerts. Gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time. It's time, it's time for a load. I'm talking about a load. A load of BS. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, a load of BS. The greatest show on the planet featuring the two best damn men of all time. And I'm talking about he, the B to the L-A-K-E. It's Blake Tanner. I, I literally was here, and I said, I'm ready to start the show, and I was still caught off guard by the fact <laughs> that we started the show. And the <laughs> and the man laughing wildly in the corner is the S, Scotty Moore. I, I even, I counted down. I said three, two, one. And you were just like, oh, Scotty's just trying to learn how to count. <laughs> what the fuck is this? <laughs> Oh, Scotty, oh, Scotty, that's not how you do the count. You do it the other way. <laughs> no, it's the opposite direction. Oh, buddy. It's okay, I'll help. It's alright. So you had a buckwild weekend while I got to stay here and do sell shoes to people. That's nice, yeah. Um, I, I think it was probably Wednesday where I got home super late at night because I'd been rehearsing for a show that I'm in. Yeah. And um, so my dad pops up and he says, Hey, want to go to Kentucky on Saturday? Kentucky Comic Con? Uh, what? 
Okay. Yeah. Sure. Fuck it. Um. So he uh, he wanted to go because he's really big into autographs. Yeah, yeah. And uh, his current goal is to get an autograph from everybody in the original Star Wars trilogy. Right. Period. Um. So he's got a bunch of them, and he wanted to get them authenticated. Mm-hmm. And the only uh group that's really uh, certified to do these authentications was going to have a booth in Kentucky and they weren't going to be around our neck of the woods for a while. So oh, can I just say just that like, I think it was, it was probably like right after you found out about this, you then went to the fight boys chat and just go, Hey Scott, you want to go to Kentucky? At which yep. point I was like, wait, the fuck? Cause I know I had work. I was like, uh, is it something worth taking on? And I looked and I found out, I thought that this was just you had got a wild hair and saw that Ric Flair was going to be there. And we're just like, big <laughs> man, we are woo. going, woo, to, woo, Kentucky. But no, instead you were just like, no, my dad has a lot of Star Wars autographs. And I was like, how many? You're like, don't ask that. His his current goal is to get the um the Rancor Keeper from the sixth episode. Because he doesn't have him yet. That is such a good specific goal. <laughs> uh, he was that dude was actually there, but we didn't have the money after authenticating the autograph. Oh no! Yeah, that's oh. why I ended up going. Was I was like Ric Flair? Uh, he's apparently a little bit, a little bit of an egomaniac because uh, I think the tickets to get an autograph and picture from him was like seventy five dollars, wasn't it? And then yeah, B- Billy D- seventy. Yeah, and then Billy D. Williams was like eighty five, and I was like, "All yeah. right, look here. If I have to choose between the Nature Boy and a nice, refreshing Colt forty five, and of course, like fucking Ian McDermott was there, uh, Emperor fucking Palpatine. I mean, <laughs> Palpatine. You go up to him, and he's just like, "Do you want me to sign something for you?" And you just hand it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Oh. Yes, I bet he hasn't heard that one before. Well, to be fair, that was not McDermott. That was original Emperor. Or was it? Um No, it was McDermott. It was because... always McDermott. He was he was always Palpatine in the movies. No, wait, what? I thought old I thought New Trilogy was a different Palpatine. No. What? They got the same dude? Yeah, he was he was made up to be super old in the original trilogy. It's the same guy. Holy shit, I love that! <laughs> and here I thought only R2-D2, C-3PO, and fucking Chewbacca were the only original ones. But no, Old Man was also one. I mean, then again, he was only really in the third movie for all of 20 minutes. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> you know, not not for nothing. Anybody who has stuff to say about a certain character that showed up in the Last Jedi, but still, oh. do it, do it. No, uh, wait, so hold on. We... What character are you talking about in the Last Jedi? You fucking know. Is he a, is he a certain tiny green gentleman who's now joined us live on air? No, he's a certain tall, fucked up face gentleman. Oh, that guy. Okay, I'm sorry. I guess by I'll Andy go. Circus. I didn't get a chance to say this. Yeah. But I cannot tell you how uncomfortable I was seeing just like regular Andy Circus when I saw Black Panther. 
Oh, that's right. He is in Black Panther. And I, I, the only way that I thought that he he was comfortable doing that was if they put all of the the CGI balls around him as he was doing his acting, yeah. and just removed them. No, no, yeah, no, 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 Blake, that wasn't Andy Serkis you were looking at. That was a three D model of Andy Serkis <laughs> put over Andy Serkis's body. So he was just like, "All right, guys, I'm ready to go. Let's do a film." You say uh. I'm going to be a giant ape for this, right? No, you're just gonna be a guy. No, the you're fuck, just you. The fuck did Actually, you just say? Andy, I just want you to play yourself. What? What? Just be yourself, Andy. It's okay. Now listen. You're in a safe place here. I've never unleashed this side of me to the world before. Not even my closest loved ones know what the true circus is. And then he, like, cracks his head back, his jaw and hinges, and this black creature comes out. He's like, this is me, the real circus. Yes, now Black Panther is going to kill you. Yeah. All right, so anyway. This was all just a huge, cruel prank to destroy the true form of Andy Circus. <laughs> we got him, finally! We did it, guys. We did it. <laughs> Smile, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Alright, so your dad tells you you're going to Kentucky, which I apologize for the fact that you had to go to the land of bourbon during BSL. Listen, there... The moment we entered Kentucky, we saw signs for the Kentucky Bourbon Trail, yeah. and I was sad. Uh, to the point that when I was there, I bought a tumbler glass with a D20 on it. Waiting for that fateful day. That fateful day. Um, the trip to Lexington, Kentucky, from our home in Birmingham, takes six hours. Fuck that. Um, the showroom opened at 10 local time. They're in the eastern time zone. Okay. My dad and I left at 2 a.m. Fuck yeah, y'all did. Hell yeah. yeah. Road Warriors. Um, <laughs> uh, we ended up getting there at about... Um, eight our time, nine their time. Mm -hmm. So we had an hour to kill, and I'm glad we did because the line to get into that fucking floor was huge. Yeah, dude, it's buck wild. Yeah. It was fucking buck wild. Um, we got in there. My dad took made a beeline. He put off all his autographs and stuff. He had some football ones there too that were given by uh an like uh a family member that yeah. he wanted to get certified. And he was talking with them for a while, so I walked around. I got that sweet fucking set of polyhedral dice for D&D &D next yeah. week that I'm going to be playing with. They are copper, and they're shiny. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Yeah. I mean, if you can see it on the stream, I don't know if you can, but they're real nice. Yeah. Um, Tons of art, tons of fucking crazy shit. Um, con art is my favorite thing. Like, anytime I go to Dragon Con, I will spend, like, three hours just on the art floor, like... Wait, you guys have adventures Ooh. on art? You guys know about that? They're like, yes, I'm actually cosplaying as one of them right now. I'm like, ah! There was, uh, there was a woman who I, I fucking loved her so much. She was dressed as Merle from the Adventure Zone. <laughs> um, we are currently engaged to be married. Yes. Well, she was, uh, she had a bunch of fun art too. Yeah. Um, and there was, <laughs> oh, I forgot about this. Uh, so there was an announcer who would be to like announcing the events and stuff. Yeah. Um, and he, he was probably just the most unpassionate guy 
He did not want to be there that day. Everyone, the Matt Mercer signing has been pushed back to 1130. He will be in the building soon. Yeah. Pushed back to 1130. Every five minutes, you would hear this man come on the um, the intercom and say, if you are not walking through the aisles, please stay to the right or the left. Please keep moving uh-huh. through the aisles. You people smell. Wait, hold on, really? No. How I wish. Oh, we had You s- could tell that was his subtext. Mm-hmm. Oh no, we had someone like that except the exact opposite. We had the flamboyant version of that guy except he wasn't at a convention. He was at like a chips and dip place in Gatlinburg. Like one of the places where you can go and like dip and try different hot sauces and different dips. This man is running around like he is the like he is doing RuPaul's drag race. He is like, "All right, people, we got dips over here, we have dips over there. Try everything you want, but no double dipping. That's our rule." And I, every 5 minutes he told us no double dipping. To the point where I wanted to, out of spite, I was like, "You know what? No, I'm about to double dip in all of these motherfuckers yep. right hey, now." You know that? You know the fun thing? Mm-hmm. I would have double dipped. I would have done no. it. As I'm leaving, he's just like, "No doubt." Du- what? And I'm like, "Come here, come here." Come and here. I just grab him by the collar, like I'm about to say, "Hail Hydra!" But instead, I'm like, "I double dipped." Ah! And then he melts. <laughs> Into just a pile of ash. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so we get there. We have some fun times. Um, we wa- we're walking around like the signing area because um, you just ha- they just have a bunch of booths with the different uh, actors and personalities that were there. I forget a laundry list of people that were there, including like like you said, Billy D. Williams, yeah. um, Ian McDermott, uh, a bunch of wrestlers, Ric Flair, Trish Stratish. Trish Stratish, Trish Stratus, um, Ray Mysterio was there, and Ric Flair. Hey, how you doing, man? It's been a while. It's good, Rick. I tried to, I actually tried to get, like, a decent picture, like, a selfie of me and Rick in the same, um, kind of in the same frame, even though I was 30 feet away. (laughs) Wow, Ric Flair's a lot smaller in real life. Oh, yeah, he's actually a tiny man. Yeah, exactly. Um, this was actually where I had the one of the most fun experiences of the day where like um I kind of uh there's a bunch of people trying to get through it's almost impossible and uh I see a dude trying to get through and I don't think much of it and I just kind of uh, uh move out of the way and I tap a dude uh who's not noticing and he kind of gets out of the way and the uh, the dude that was trying to walk through he was kind of standing there a little awkwardly for a second yeah. just trying to get past this guy uh-huh. and um kind of he nods and he says thanks and uh i didn't notice until that moment that it was matt mercer <laughs> what you were just like now you owe me now you owe me hey hey matt tell me all your good good critical role stuff where's your campaign going now matt Tell me I need to know, how are you so good at D&D, Matt? Matt, give me your voice. Isn't he also, fuck, isn't he, he he's, um, what Overwatch character is Matt? I can't remember. Uh, McCree. McCree? Yeah, it's high noon. Yeah, exactly. You're just like, wait, wait, Matt, come here, come here, come here. Um, I let you by. Uh, I think we now need 
and it's high nude from you from me. And he's just like, oh, okay, fuck you, and then walks away. <laughs> oh, you sure? Fuck you. Mm-hmm. See, that's what it's I- fuck you. It's fuck. <laughs> that's what I like about cons is the fact that every once in a while you just look over and be like, oh. That person is just ran. They're just walking like a person, unless you're Stan Lee. And I know I've told this story before of where <laughs> fucking Stan Lee had this bodyguard, just like everyone clear the way. And I'm like, oh, someone's damaged and hurt. And then this just old man yep. walks through in front of me, and I'm like, oh, I'm now a superhero. <laughs> I think that might be a little different because Stan Lee is 95 years old. You don't know. <laughs> no, Matt Mercer comes by you in a tiny car and he's just like, I'm 90 it's high noon, five years old. And he's you're like, You look really good for your age. He's like, Thank you. Keeps on going, buddy. I'm a vampire. <laughs> and then Nick Cage runs through. Is Matt Mercer a vampire? Matt Mercer's probably a vampire, let's be yeah. honest, guys. That's true. I think Matt Mercer's a vampire. Matt, hit us up. Are you a vampire? Hold on a second. I mean, I can tweet him real quick. At Matt Mercer, are you a vampire? <laughs> so, okay, I... you you met Matt Mercer. Yep, then we walked around and we saw some stuff and we looked at some things. And then uh, that was about six hours, so we bounced. <laughs> Wait, what? After six hours in Kentucky. Okay, I remember a very long time ago, you gave me a rule. You gave me a rule about going places, and wh- what was it? Um, I I forget now. I try to follow it still, but it's it's kind of gotten lax. But if if I'm not reasonably going to be in the place for like two hours for every hour of travel yeah. there and back, then it's not worth it. Right. But I wasn't paying for this. Exactly. Oh, wh- the minute you were like. My dad will, or like, we'll get you a ticket in. That's when I was like, mm, now that's, that's tipping the scales right there, my friend. Right. Oh, man. But no, I was, I'm, I've been at home coming up with our new business plan, Blake. And I, oh, hold on. Okay. Do you have more? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. I'm still trying to get um, to Matt Mercer's we... Twitter, so it's okay. We yeah. got time. Well, we said, okay, we're going to bounce. We're done. Uh, before that, um, my dad had to go back, and all of his Star Wars autographs were good and authenticated. All of his Alabama football autographs were fake. What? A bunch of... Now, he's got a bunch that are real and that have been authenticated, but this family member of ours that has given us and many other family members um, autographed like cards and shit yeah. for famous football players... It's a fake. Oh my god, what? It was all fucking, it was fucking fake, man. No, They've been lying to you, man. Thing. I just forgot, oh god. My dad, ever since I was four years old, his prized possession has been this, has been this um, basketball jersey signed by Michael Jordan. Oh no! Oh wait, I think because I know was, you've I know you've told yes. me about this jersey. It was signed uh, up supposedly when he was playing for um, the Birmingham Barons. Yeah, and it's a fake. No, it wasn't real, and it was just so fucking heartbreaking. That's sad. That one. If the 
if the people that didn't um, sell us that jersey, uh, if they hadn't gone out of business about 12 to 15 years ago, I would have burned their establishment down. Hey, at Matthew Mercer, you a vampire? Hashtag curious question from that guy who helped you get through a crowd at Kentucky Comic Con. Anything else? Do we need to add anything, or is that good? No, it's good. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, oh, dude. So do you guys still want the jersey, or? Because I'll take it. Oh, no, we're going to destroy it. Oh, well. So that its evil cannot permeate another household. I mean, dude, I will take, I mean, I need it if Space Jam goes on to win the Buckwild movie tournament, which it won't, because I've I've seen the other films in the tournament, but... <laughs> Oh, you've also still yet to see mine tonight. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I'm still waiting to see if our new business proposition will play out, Blake, which leads to our new podcast within a podcast called Beating Our Mead with Blake and Scotty. Oh, yes, the the podcast within a podcast, it's only going to have one episode. It's gonna have, well, no, because there's also going to be the episode of Beating Our Mead where we actually try the fucking mead I make. Because I want to open the BS meadery. And mostly, it, um, you know how I get ideas sometimes and they just kind of grow and I can't stop them? That's what happened with this. And I haven't been able to stop since uh, a close personal friend of the show and guy who definitely knows that this show exists, Brian Brushwood, uh, he at the Modern Rogue released a video on how to make mead. And Blake, it's fucking surprisingly easy to make mead. Oh, I'm actually subscribed to a subreddit of people that make mead, yeah, so yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's so easy. And so I was like, well, we only have, like, one meadery in Alabama, at least one popular one, and I think we have the skills and chutzpah to put it all together and make our own mead. Like, it would all be themed to our podcast, which I feel will not carry over into many markets, but I just- no. I, I mean, we already want to make... I, I know my first two batches are going to be blueberry and strawberry. That way we still have the blue-red theme of the BS and call them Blakeberry and Scottyberry. Wait, hold on. I actually have, like, a list of ones that I want to make. Let me see if I can find... Okay, I want to make apple pie, root beer float, peanut... Fuck! Did you just roll what? some? Did you just roll some dice to see what my mead score was? Yes, uh, I rolled for mead. No, I was trying to build a tower with my dice. It's surprisingly easy to with the very heavy dice that I have now, but it did not work. Yeah, uh, I want to make one called Mamoan Drop, which is pina colada, mixed okay. berry, which is called Patrick Warberry. Uh, our classic is, of course, just called Nature Boy. And then, uh, if I'm also gonna make one that's 20% ABV, and that's just called Blake Out. Um. <laughs> God damn it. Now, I wanted to make one inspired by. My original plan for Blake Out was to call it Woo Tangy. Until I realized that when spelled out, it looks like Wu Tang. And so instead, it's spelled Wu. It's Wu Tangy, and it tastes like ginger beer. And then I don't know how, but I want to make a whiskey kind of mead. I don't know how we're gonna do this, Blake. But we're in the mead business now. That's, that's just when you take the 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 mead and you pour whiskey into it. <laughs> I swear, there's some mead in here. This tastes like Maker's Mark. Yeah, but with like a little bit of honey in it. No, just pure Maker's Mark. 
Fuck. Okay, oh. the batches are kind of messed up then, but okay. Whoop. I, I saw you pour the maker's mark into the glass. Oh, dude. One thing that, like, it helped me get through not drinking in Gatlinburg was the fact that a majority of the barbecue sauce places had barbecue sauce made with bourbon. And I was like, this is close enough. <laughs> nom, 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 nom. We had the uh, the opening night for the show that I'm in, the short plays at Theater Downtown in Birmingham, if anyone's interested. Um yeah. But we had a little reception afterwards. Uh-huh. And there was, like, wine and champagne at the reception. And there was this sad, sad little bottle of sparkling grape juice. That you carried around in your hand that, in a brown paper bag. It just rest. kind of became my baby, yeah. <laughs> you were just like, it's close. It's fine. Like uh, who the person that you know that was at the uh, that was at the desk, uh, all the actors got complimentary drinks and food, but um, they're like, yeah, I got this just in case anybody wasn't drinking or anything. You know, there's some people around here who don't drink, and I just kind of picked up the bottle and left. <laughs> they were just like, "That's sir, sir, that's for everyone." No, this is for no. me. Fuck off, Janet. No. Sorry, Janet. Not tonight. Oh, okay. That's when we locked eyes, and that's when she knew. She she just quietly mouths BSL, and you're like BSL. She's like, I understand. <laughs> Me too. Wait, really? What? No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. But you know what? I never say Blake. You know what? I never say Blake too. I say that to a bathroom break. Pe- Merch download of pure BS. Fuck. Merch That's right, everybody. Merch It's the website where you can go to get BS merchandise. We have uh, our brand new a load of BS like anime logo. That was our shirt last month. We got a brand new shirt this month. I make new shirts for the podcast every month, and then of course we got shirts for all the other shows. Fight boys, I make shirts for. Opposite attractions have shirts. Hell, even some of the YouTube shows have shirts. Even though I haven't done them in, like, months. But, yeah, they're all online over at merch.aloadofpurebs.com. Get some! So, Blakey Tan, I was thinking earlier today the same thought that I have every Thursday, which is, what the fuck are we gonna talk about? Because, like, segment one we could usually just fill up with bullshit, but segment two is when we really have to grind... And find the bull. We gotta scrape the bullshit barrel. (laughs) When we actually have to be creative. Yes. And because, like, for a while there, it was easy because I was, like, going back and being like, well, I came up with this movie, and we could talk about that, and this one, and this one. And then I'm now scraping my movie barrel because I was like, did I come up with any when I was, like, super young that I don't remember that well? And the only one I remember. I don't remember a plot to. I don't remember character names. I just remember Kung Fu Ping Pong Balls. It was just about a fucking secret agent who was also a ninja who also used ping pong balls as weapons. All right. Okay, hold on. I'm, I would just like to take this moment to say and just remind everyone about how much shit you gave me when I came up with my uh, fun dance, mo- dance movie with vapes. <laughs> I didn't give you shit for that. Did we end up making the Michael Jordan basketball vape movie? 
We did, but it was very far away from my original idea, and I'm still hurt about it. No, Blake, believe me, <laughs> the only reason I brought this to the table was to give to you so we could have a transformative experience. Sometimes you gotta start at the lo- we gotta start at rock bottom, and then we're gonna climb our way out. Okay. So this guy is a is. So does it start out as he's a former ping pong ball champion, or or what if it's a Forrest Gump situation? Oh wait, no, Forrest Gump was a ping pong champion. I was gonna say a guy Ouch. who who just really likes ping pong. I don't even think he ever put his skills to the test. And... So you're saying this is just a sad man who has a ping pong table in his basement <laughs> yeah. and he just hits it up against the wall over and over again. He has a fetish, okay? We'll just, we'll put it there. He has a ping pong fetish. But... Oh, so later on in the movie when he pulls out his ping pong balls to throw at the bad guys, that's where he pulls them out from. Yes, exactly. The fetish spot. The f- <laughs> Yes, he pulls out his balls from the fetish spot. (laughs) And I remember that I wanted... I remember, like, I wanted him to use ping pong paddles as weapons. I just don't know where we can go from... Like, okay, let's start with the basics. Every good hero needs a villain. And he's not a good hero, but he still needs a villain. Okay, so does this... Let's... Does this start out in more of a... Like, an average Joe becomes, like, a secret agent situation? I think so, yes. So we have to find a way to have him stumble upon this conspiracy. So, how did that happen to Jackie Chan in the tuxedo movie where the tuxedo (laughs) tuxedo make him really good? That tuxedo movie, what Jackie Chan was in. (laughs) Yeah, that one. Um... Didn't he find, wasn't it like the Santa Claus where he found the tuxedo and put it on? And therefore, oh, dude, the ping pong ball is secretly a USB device. Okay. That contains the nuclear codes to blow up North Korea. Just North Korea. And Donald Trump wants them. The the U.S. government realized we fucking can't give him these codes. We give him... It's like when a girl gives you a fake phone number. We gave oh. him codes, but they're not the right codes. Yeah. So it's like, this is like a deep state conspiracy. Yes, exactly. We've hidden the codes from Trump in a tiny ping pong ball. And then our main hero, who's definitely played by Larry the fucking cable guy. Uh, Fuck you. He goes, to the, uh, he goes to the ping pong palace, which is his local hangout. Wait, he's a hustler. He he's not just a normal. He's a hustler. He's a pong hustler. He's a pong. He's just like guys. I'm sorry. It's my first time. Do I hold it like this? And he's holding the paddle end. And they're like, no, 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 don't. And no, no, no. Wait. Even better for the scene. Uh, the guy is like, do I hold it like this? And he holds it by the paddle end. And the other guy's like, sure. That's totally how you hold a ping pong paddle, idiot. And then they start playing, but it turns out he's just as good with the thin end of the paddle as he is with the other and kicks his ass. Okay, I'm into that. Okay. Um, so how does he how does he get this this USB ping pong device? I think (sighs) fuck. Okay. We're gonna go uh there was a truck going by somewhere. And it fell off the truck, like, out of some dude's pocket. 
Okay. Like, there's just... It's it's gonna be, like, oh. a Dumb and Dumber situation where yeah. he just stumbles. Could we... Could we have a moment where, like, the serious, actual secret agent, who is also really cool, can it be more like a Kingsman situation where he's in it for all but five minutes of the movie, or he's in it for about five minutes, Yeah, and then he loses the ping pong ball and gets his shit jacked? I thought... Oh, wait. So, what you're saying is that he loses the ping pong ball, like outside of the ping pong emporium and then he's just like oh no walks into the street to pick it up and gets hit by a semi (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say like it's after this really cool and quick chase scene except he runs into the ping pong emporium um the ball gets knocked out of his hand into you know like those okay there's an old man who works there and he's definitely Abe Vigoda. I don't know if Abe Vigoda's still alive, but, and he's just like, he is, you know the quarter machines that you can put ping pong balls in? He's refilling that with new ping pong balls. Uh, fucking, um, oh shit, who is it? Who's gonna be our secret agent guy that, I don't want him to die, because I want him to be the one who takes Larry under his wing. Yeah, it'll be... Um... Mm-hmm. Man, I want Danny McBride to be in this movie as well, but I don't know. Danny McBride is like one of the agents of Trump, I think. <laughs> okay, that'll be that'll be fine. Um Okay. Now, I know these two may have beef because Larry Oh, also Al- uh Trump is played by Alec Baldwin, of course. Yes! Thank you. Now, I <laughs> think uh I don't know if these two have beef over the fact that um he may be jealous that Larry stole his uh stole one of his fa- film franchises that he loves so much by starring in The Tooth Fairy 2, but I do enjoy the idea of Dwayne The Rock Johnson as our secret agent. No, I think he I think he and Larry could have some good chemistry on stage. <laughs> yeah, so you have uh, The Rock and Larry the Cable Guy. Rock runs oh. through, drops the ping pong ball into the thing of ping pong balls, and he's just like, shit mixes and then he like he tries to find it but he can't and so then he dives into the vat of ping pong balls and gets kicked out no 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 he dives into the vat the uh Danny McBride and the other like dudes run through and they're like where's he at I can't find him he gets out of the vat and he's just like okay good I lost them starts to leave and then like later he checks his pockets and he's like oh no the ping pong balls are not the ping pong ball. Why the fuck is it shaped like a ping pong ball? <laughs> but it's not in my pocket anymore. Yep. Uh, that's the moment he's like, that's some damn grim irony right there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there has to be some sort of, like, he has to go back later and he sees Larry. Larry's so good at it, though. So, but no one plays with him, so he plays against one of those walls. So he cracks it against the wall, and when he does, it breaks in half, and you see the actual USB components, and he's just like, What in the world's this? This looks ridiculous. Prilosec. And then... (laughs) And then he puts it up his butt. Yeah, no, and then Dwayne rocks in, and he's just like, that's the most dangerous thing in this entire world. This could lead to our country being destroyed and also North Korea. And he's like, I don't like North Korea. Maybe I should just give it to him. They're like, fucking think for one second in your dumb life, Larry. No. And he's just like, all right. 
And then And that's the moment where the collective consciousness of every redneck in America takes a second and goes, Wait a minute, this shit is bad. <laughs> Wait, are you saying that like fucking we are Legion, Larry the Cable Guy is the lead redneck, and all other rednecks, when Larry changes his mind about something, fucking the rednecks change their mind about it. Yeah, I think so. And man, I think that's just... That's that just... is extremely buck wild, because Daniel Lawrence Whitney <laughs> is from Nebraska. And he does not have that accent. That is not his fucking accent. No. Daniel. <laughs> Daniel. Dan... Dan... Daniel Lawrence Whitney is it was born in Pawnee, Nebraska. Yeah. Uh-huh. Larry the Cable Guy came from like a Florida show, I think. Like he did a show in Florida on the radio and he called in as Larry the Cable Guy and from that they were like, so, "You should make a career out of this." Did Larry the Cable Guy emerge from the chest of Daniel Whitney? <laughs> no. Larry the Cable Guy is inside. It's like <laughs> It's like Andy Serkis. Larry the Cable Guy is inside of Daniel Whitney waiting to burst forth whenever the uh whenever the vessel dies and goes I thought and... you were going to say it was more like the nutty professor. <laughs> no, it's even like... better. He's on like a date with a girl and he's just like I think I've just had a really good time with you tonight, Barbara, and I just really want to thank you for having some... Oh, no, please, Barbara, you need to... Barbara, you need to leave. Barbara, you need to, after having such a spicy meal, take some Prilosec on TC. Run! <laughs> run, Barbara! Run! I'm sorry, I got Larry on the mind. It's just a matter of the fact that, like, earlier today I was trying to find my Buckwild movie and I just went through the Larry the Cable Guy filmography. And, yeah, all of them. Fucking all of them, Blake. Delta Force was close until I found that one I actually picked. It's not a Larry the Cable Guy film, but, yeah. Okay, let's get back to the ping pong movie because we oh, have yeah. about five minutes to do the entire, like, the next two acts. We haven't even gotten to the cool ping pong part. <laughs> um, I think there are, like, some cool... St well, I think the hustling scene was a cool ping pong yeah. part. So, uh, we've got we've to make an incident that happens where Larry becomes so integral to the plot. Like, he has to become attached to this USB device somehow. In a, in the way that The Rock just can't take it away from him. Oh, okay. How about... No, how about the fact that he... It's not the fact that he can't get rid of the USB. He can't get rid of Larry. Larry fucking... Larry thinks that it's Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He doesn't understand that it's just a character. He's like, you look like The Rock! I love The Rock! And he refuses to stop following around Dwayne. And then... <laughs> hey, where's Kevin Hart? <laughs> where's Kevin Hart at? And then from, like, my inside, you just hear Kevin Hart inside of, I was gonna be in the movie. I was gonna be in the movie, and then they wouldn't pay me enough money. And then I turned to Dwayne, and I said, Dwayne, you're doing it with Larry the fucking Cable Guy. How do you like that? <laughs> now I'm gonna go get drunk at the fucking Super Bowl one more time. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was, that was an improv Kevin Hart impression that I hope I kicked out of the park. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> 
Man, I respect the hell out of Kevin Hart for that. I respect him for being like, ain't not enough money to put me in this dumbass ping pong movie. Okay, Kevin, Kevin, you're going to need to go away. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, how about this? Uh, it could be like a fucking, uh, I hate to bring this movie back up because we are going to have to talk about it one more time in the movie tournament, but it could be like, fuck, I can't even remember the name of that shitty Sasha Baron Cohen movie, but where the CIA agent does not realize that Sasha Baron Cohen is there, Dwayne doesn't realize that Larry the Cable Guy is there. And so he's at, like, some secret organization, and he's just like, why are we hiding out? And he's just like, what the fuck? And then misfires. And then that alerts them to their position, but then Larry shows his prowess with a ping pong, like a ping pong paddle and ball. And that's what helps them defeat the bad guys. And then Dwayne realizes, oh no, this guy's in trouble. I have to protect him. And that's why he has to stay with uh, Dwayne. Oh. Yeah. You see? Can I really want the movie to end. Um... <laughs> no, that's the end of your sentence. I want this movie to end. I I just want it to be over. No, I want this movie to end with Larry the Cable Guy serving up like a spicy 100 mile per hour ping pong ball straight down Alec Baldwin Trump's throat. That's good. I I want to propose a better one, which is Trump, by the end, obviously has gotten the nuclear launch codes, is about to launch the fucking nuke. And then you just see Larry and they drive and they drive and they're like, we got to stop it. And then they're like, oh no, it's already launched. You see the rocket go in the air. And then you see Larry like, I got this. Poosh. Hits the fucking ping pong ball. It fl- and as the ping pong ball sails through the air, it zooms in and you hear Superman. Superman. <laughs> it's, it's Larry's prize. <laughs> Larry's prize ping pong ball <laughs> that he's kept since he was a kid. Oh. It has his dead dad's ashes in it. <laughs> Superman. Oh shit, Superman. <laughs> and then it, uh, okay, I don't think it can be a nuke. I think it has to be a normal missile because if it's a nuke, my plan was for the ping pong ball to set it off before it could do any damage. But if it's a nuke, it's going to do damage no matter where it's at. Yeah, that's true. Okay, normal missile. He hits it. What would be cooler? A giant explosion over the ocean or he sets it off course just enough to hit the White House and kill Trump? No, I don't. I definitely do not want to send that message. <laughs> it's not a real movie. We're just talking. We're just talking, bro. This ain't real. I'm just. It's just a prank, it's bro. It's just a prank. I don't. Okay, I don't want to send that one. I want the. I want the missile to explode, and I want. I want Alec Baldwin's Trump to just. Oh, here's what happens. Are you the gonna... missile goes down, yeah. and then there's a final showdown. Between Larry the Cable Guy and Donald Trump, as played by Alec Baldwin. Now, do we? And it shows, okay. a, and if we find out that Baldwin Trump is really good at ping pong. Oh shit! Now I was gonna say, do we want to make him like actually like evil or more of a Kim Jong Il and Team America, just inept fucking world leader? Because then the final well, Scotty, sh- we should go with the one that's more true to life. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Well, that, so that second that, one. Yeah. I was going to say, so that final scene instead, you could just have Trump just be like, how dare you do this to my world? And then as he opens his mouth for a world, ping pong ball straight down the fucking throat. It is just like, eh, and then the police take him away. I don't know why yeah. they're arresting him. No. Uh, can another one knock his hairpiece off? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, I don't. I think the hairpiece joke would happen earlier in the in the film. I, I don't. Okay, yeah, that's true. That's not a third act joke. Although when when the hairpiece joke does happen, it needs to be a ping pong ball that Larry serves towards Trump, and it misses, and he's like, "Oh, I see you. You got some terrible aim there." It rebounds off the wall and knocks his hairpiece off. No, <laughs> it was an assassination attempt by Larry the Cable Guy with a ping pong ball to kill Donald Trump, and that's our film, ladies and gentlemen. I think you. We- we basically just wrote Balls of Fury. <laughs> yeah. I did get angry when Balls of Fury came out. I was like, I had this mo- I had this idea when I was like seven. Fuck these guys. <laughs> oh, man. But you know what I never f- fuck, Blake? Our <laughs> uh, patrons? I never fuck our patrons over at patreon.com slash a load of BS. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Patreon.com slash a load of BS is the website where you can support these good BS boys right here. And, of course, we got rewards over there for you. We've got our official Discord where you can come chat with us whenever you want. Uh, you get to help make decisions, shape the show. Um, and then, of course, uh, to, to I'm trying to remember everything. Uh, we do streams with our patrons sometimes. You guys will come on the stream and play video games with us. And then, of course, you'll get shouted out every single week like the Patreon St. Deborah Moore, like Scott Moore, like Miss Jenny Side, like Salty Frank of the Seven Seas, and, of course, like Alvis Edgehart, who actually came on the stream and gave me a little bit of guff because we may not have been packing up all of our all of the Patreon promises that I have made. So... Uh, mostly, mostly our private stream thing that I wanted to do, but I've kind of replaced that with doing the stream with us. I just haven't <laughs> changed it on the Patreon, so you're gonna need to get on that, boy. So we, yeah, well, yeah. We, look here, look here, fucko. We just need to get some <laughs> shit done, okay? We, I think we're just gonna overhaul the entire Patreon to be a lot of stuff that we don't have to do that much work for. <laughs> Oh, you mean you you mean back from the days of where we thought that we could send out a, a monthly box for our friends. <laughs> <laughs> the BS subscription box with condoms, stickers, and t-shirts galore. Yes, exactly. We still need to get those condoms out. Um, I actually already made a design, and it's the most disgusting thing I've ever done. It just says it's time to drop a load with the BS logo on it. Didn't we do that on the podcast? No, no, no. We didn't make it. I made it oh. after the fact and got him priced. And I think condoms are expensive, Blake. I think that's going to be yeah. our first live show celebration, which is at the end of the show, just a mm-hmm. box of condoms we throw out into the audience. And then afterwards, if <laughs> ask for reviews of them. Did they be work? Be safe, y'all. Was it work? Be safe. Did they work? Okay, good. Did it work? Uh, also, you we do need to put a disclaimer on there. We are not responsible if you, if have, you a have a baby. We did not make the condom. We just put our logo on them. So if you have a baby, do not blame us. But you yeah, will take have that to... up with take that up with discount condom brothers. <laughs> but you will also have to name the uh, baby Blake or Scotty if you get pregnant using a condom that has our face on it. Um. So Blake, it's now time for the BS. Buckwild, a movie tournament 
of course, I am. Um, I'm. I'm going to lose. Uh, so far, I'm firmly in the losing spot because you're going to have more movies going into the semifinals. But that's all right. Well, and how many? What's the What's the current spread right now? We've We've done what six, six. and it's currently four to two. Oh. Wait, no, I think it's four to one. I don't think I've won an... Wait, I got dis... Oh, that's right, because I got Grimsby. I got... I'm not proud of that other win, but I got it, nonetheless. No, you would... That was... Honestly, that was that was the week where I decided... Where I realized I needed to turn my shit up, because I was not doing justice to this cacophony of terrible, crazy movies that oh, I know. my favorite was the fact that earlier today, like, one of my friends has been telling me, you need to watch this movie. This movie is insane. You have to watch it. And I was like, well... I'll look it up and I can use it for my movie today. Turns out it was a fucking Neil Breen movie. And I was like, we've already done Neil Breen. We can't go back. I, we've closed the Breen. I was going to do another Nicolas Cage film, but then yep. it was just like, bring me back. We'll save your stupid sleet. <laughs> uh, so this week I've actually decided that one of my favorite, like one of the biggest gets uh, that I've had. Yeah. This was we your biggest rich- draft. Yes. We were originally going to do our biggest drafts together, but I don't know. Honestly, I want Space Jam to go past the first round, yeah. and I didn't want to put it up against this bad boy. Okay. Um, now, I've only told you the name before, Scotty, but I've the seen, movie that I'm... I've seen the poster and the like first paragraph on Wikipedia, and then I stopped. Yes. Um, this is a film called Nothing But Trouble. Okay. Directed, screenplay by Dan Aykroyd. Fuck yes. And also starring, isn't he in it? Oh, he is in it, my dude. (laughs) He's a regular Tommy Wiseau. Oh, my fuck. He is so in this movie. Um, This is probably like, this is the movie that made people realize, hey, you know what? Maybe Dan Aykroyd's not that super creative. Yeah. This is basically... Because didn't you say this wasn't a comedy? Like, this was his, like, magnum opus of a film. I like to think of it that way, because afterwards, Dan Aykroyd didn't do a lot. Yeah. So, this movie, starring Nothing But Trouble, starring Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, John Candy, and Demi Moore. What? Oh! That was an addition at the end. Yep. Timmy Moore? Okay. Yep. Um, 1991 was when it was released. It is a comedy horror film. Okay. And aren't, it opens up. they all? Oh, of course. Um, Chevy Chase's character, Chris, yeah. is hosting a party in his Manhattan uh, penthouse. He is a uh, financial publisher, also known as a banker in this movie. Um, he meets a uh, lawyer, Diane Lightson, okay. uh, played by Demi Moore, and he agrees to escort her um, to Atlantic City uh, and drive her there, basically. Okay. I don't remember why. Um, with Thorne's clients, who are two obnoxious but wealthy Brazilian siblings, Fausto and Rinalda. What is this name? I've heard this name. I I forget the name. It's Quirinzu. Insiguri. Insiguri, yeah. Um, Upon hearing this, 
Chevy Chase's character affectionately dubs them the Brazilianaires. Oh, fuck you. That's a good one. <laughs> um, so those guys jump in, those two jump in along. Um, on the way, uh, Chevy Chase takes a, um, I guess a detour, a scenic detour off the New Jersey Turnpike. Um, and as you well know, leaving the New Jersey Turnpike just basically means that you're in a Mad Max-esque world <laughs> of despair and sadness. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, and they end up in this tiny rundown village of Vulcanvania. 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 Live long um, and prosper. Yes. So uh, Chevy Chase, he fails to uh, stop at a stop sign. And uh, he's like, it's fine. It won't get pulled over by or anything. He gets pulled over by um, a police car. He tries to escape. Yeah. And basically run from the pursuing officer, Dennis Valkenheiser, played by John Candy. But Dennis, in this old-ass cop car, presses a button. Uh-huh. And this thing outruns uh, the Manhattan uh, banker's very fast car because... Fuck you! It's a crazy. Uh, okay, it, it's just a souped-up police car. Let's just leave it at that. Okay, okay. Um, so the group is taken before Dennis's one hundred and six-year-old grandfather, Judge Alvin Valkenheiser, played by Dan Fucking Aykroyd. Fuck yes. Do they have accents? I guess you could say that. I mean, John Candy just talks like John Candy, but right. Dan but Aykroyd, Valkenheiser. Judge Valkenheiser, he has an inimitable accent. Yeah, he he kind of. I can't. I can't even try to do it. <laughs> How quickly you were like, "No, fuck this! I'm no, not doing fuck it. it." Um. So all of these people uh, refer to him as Reeve. Reeve. Okay. And he confiscates. Um, <laughs> In in the judge's office, which by the way, the judge, it his the office his office is his house, and it is this crazy like puzzle box mansion that looks like it was built halfway with. I guess it's just crazy shit, basically. Yeah. He he sits on his own self prepared pr- propelled chair. He presses buttons and shit happens. Okay. Um. So. By the way, the judge confiscates their driver's licenses, all of them. Um, and Chevy Chase's character makes one too many smart alecky remarks, as this says. Oh, that so, Chevy. Chevy, to which the judge responds by opening a trap door under them and throwing them into a The Rancor Pit. What? The Rancor Pit, which is referred to as his courthouse slash fun house. <laughs> To be judged. Okay. Um, later you see what that judgment could possibly be when some drunk drivers who are pulled over by Candy that have apparently threatened him with a gun. Yeah. Um, he pulls up, and these people are fucking wasted. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan Aykroyd pulls out, like, a pound bag of cocaine, a gun. He's got, like, brass knuckles on there, a knife and bullshit that they've confiscated from them. And he sentences them to immediate death at the hands of the deadly roller coaster nicknamed Mr. Bone Stripper. 
That sounds like a fun way to die. Um, Mr. Bone Stripper has his own theme song. Oh, that's good. That's really, that's really um, good. Yeah, so it shows them kind of go on their wild ride, and they enter Mr. Bone Stripper. It, it's made to look like a mouth with a bunch of pistons that basically strip their bones and shoot them at a target on the other end. Oh, so it's not... Oh, wait, so the roller coaster is before Mr. Bone Stripper, and then you end yes. in Mr. Okay. The whole thing is technically Mr. Bone Stripper. Don't... Don't belittle Mr. Bone Stripper, now, okay? On. Well, hold on. Say his name correctly. Mr. Bone Stripper. Mr. Bone Stripper. Um, so the uh, the original group, Chase, Moore, and Co., um, are invited to dinner with the judge. Okay. And there are a lot of bizarre food choices, I guess you could say. Um, including the table opens up to reveal a model train that delivers hot dogs to them. I like that. And, okay. Um, of course, the judge had with his drink of choice a can of warm Hawaiian punch. Oh man, what flavor? Because <laughs> I, I feel like that might not be bad. No, no, it's it's Hawaiian. Hawaiian punch is a flavor. Oh, okay, so it is the Hawaiian punch, not yeah. It is Hawaiian punch really. brand Hawaiian punch. Okay. Um. So at this point, uh, they real the judge realizes that uh, Chevy Chase is a banker because he has financial affiliations, and he blames all of um the town and his family's misfortunes at the hands of corrupt, cold dealing money men. Okay. The group attempts to oh. By the way, I didn't mention, but this is when you're also introduced to, um, hold on, to, um, the judge's daughter, uh -huh. um, and, or, uh, rather granddaughter. And as you know, his grandson, uh, is played by, uh, John Candy. Right. Now, the granddaughter, El Eldana. Eldana? Is Eldana is played by John Candy. Now, her name, you know, in Spanish does mean the Donna. <laughs> yes. I am the Donna. I, I'm, I'm trying to pull the point that this is, she is played by John Candy. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. This was the 80s, dude. That Eddie Murphy bullshit don't surprise me. <laughs> oh. Well, um, the group attempts to escape, mm -hmm. but the, the fun house sends them through a ball pit, uh, they go up to the attic and they find all of the driver's licenses of the people that the judge has killed. There are a lot of them. Okay. Um, the judge imprisons both of them in a room. And the pair, uh, this is both of them being Chevy Chase and uh, Demi Moore. They eventually escape and get lost into the hallways and slides of the, uh, of the mansion. They become separated. Diane makes it out of the house. And into the property salvage yard. Mm -hmm. There she meets two wonderful little troll-like creatures that basically look like androgynous babies. Giant <laughs> babies. Oh, yes. And their names are Bobo and Lil Debil. Lil Debil? Yes. D-E-B-I-L? D-E-B-B-U-L-L. -L. Oh, I like Devil, though. I like Devil, but bad. Yep. Um, also, Bobo is also played by Dan Aykroyd. Oh, I was hoping it'd be John Candy again. 
I was hoping they'd just be like any film, any character yep. we don't have a role for. It's gonna be you, John. John um, these are also the judges' grandchildren. They've been very severely deformed, as this puts it. Yeah. Um, Diane earns their friendship though, and it's great. So they're they like, want to do like weird, fucking they're... Ewoks. Exactly, except that fe- that you've got the underlying feeling of they want to do weird things with her, and that's not so great. Yeah. Um. So Chevy Chase uh, sneaks into the judge's house, but he gets caught, and he is punished by the judge. And the punishment is that Chevy Chase has to marry Eldana. Oh no. Um. So as all this is going on, you know this is this is pretty normal like movie stuff, I guess. This yeah. is going on with the pro- plot until in the courtroom, alternative rap group Digital Underground. Please, 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 ha- keep talking, please, please. Has been pulled over on charges of speeding. But the judge releases them after they do an impromptu performance of all the group's hits. Yes! That means Humpty Dance was in there. That's all it needed was Humpty Dance. This movie was Tupac Shakur's acting debut. I forgot Tupac was... Oh, shit. Oh, shit. He also... They're also invited to the wedding. Okay. Uh, oh god alright stop um, what you're doing cause I'm about to ruin the image and the style that you used to I look funny but no I'll keep I'll keep, keep talking cause I will do all yeah. the fucking Humpty Dance oh so they're gonna be um so Chevy Chase agrees to go through with the wedding in exchange for his life but he gets caught because he tries to get the band to get help him escape so he, the he, band... he tries to get Tupac and Digital Underground to help him out yeah exactly the band just kind of leaves, and the judge sentences Chris to die via Mr. Bone Stripper. Okay. But damn, if Mr. Bone Stripper just doesn't break down right before Chris is about to die. Oh, no. What's Demi Moore been doing? Is she just hanging out, or have I forgotten? Yeah, she's been... just been hanging out okay. at this point. Um, There's some other stuff, but it's just her fucking around with the with, with the baby boys. Oh, I forgot that was who. Okay, yeah. <laughs> The judge actually uh, sentences her to death with some strange claw thing, um, but Chris saves her at the last moment. Chris is Chevy Chase, and I'm tired of doing that. Um, and the two jump on a freight train back to New York. All right. Um, this is so, like Saw for idiots. Yeah, they're not. We're not done yet. Oh, oh no. Um, the two uh, Demi Moore and uh, Chevy Chase actually report. What's been going on in Valkenvania to the state troopers? Uh-huh. And they're asked to, the, the the cops ask them to come with them back to Valkenvania so they can arrest the uh, the judge. Oh, wait. Only to find out that all of the officers in the state of New York and New Jersey are involved and fully aware of what the judge is doing because he basically just kills criminals. Oh, so what did the what did the dudes do? Nothing. Oh, okay. So like the our main characters. I well, I guess it was because they were speeding. I guess that was what. Their yeah, crime yeah. Was. That, that was their main crime, and they were go- eventually going to be judged. But that's when all of the crazy shit that I was talking about for the last fifteen minutes happened. Yeah. Um. So, as things are looking bleakest for our heroes, the the cops at shows are against them. 
um, the judge is about to sentence them to death again. Mm-hmm. When all of a sudden, Deus Ex, the coal mines under the, the town of Vulcanvania basically explode. There's a, there's an earthquake. Um, the, the, the coal fires under the town cause it to collapse and everything is destroyed. Alright. And you cut to the epilogue. The Brazilianaires are back in South America. Um, Chris and Diane are shown relaxing in New York because there's this terrible romance subplot between them. Oh, yeah, I can see that. That I didn't even feel like getting into. Don't worry, that's for later. Um, However, Chris's relief does not last when uh, it shows a news report of the town of Vulcanvania. Um in which it zooms in on the Judge Valkenheiser, and he holds up to the camera Chris's driver's license, and he says that he is about to move in with his family because his son-in-law is a banker. Oh. Or his grandson-in-law, he, which we leave out with him saying, See you soon, banker! To which Chris reacts by panicking and literally crashing through the wall, leaving a cartoon-like impression of himself as he runs far away. All right. And that is nothing but trouble. Like, I'll be honest, I was nervous for this one, but I'm going to say Lobster was more buck wild than this. This was actually, like, coming from it from the 80s perspective, this seems tame. But then again, by 90s perspective, mine also seems tame. Because This uh, this was also released in 1991. This was far after Ghostbusters. Well, Blake, I... I, Now that I know it's not as buck wild as I thought, I'm gonna actually put up my fight like a true warrior, like a true ninja. Because I'm about to go, ninja, go, ninja, go! Go, ninja, go, ninja, go! Because I'm bringing in... Quite possibly my favorite movie of all fucking time. Okay. <laughs> I am, and I, I was thinking, because it's a movie that's my favorite, so therefore I'm like, it's not crazy. It's just, and then I realized, wait a minute, I love this movie because of how insanely weird it fucking is. All right, let's hear it. So this is Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze. Now, little ba- okay. a little bit of menial backstory to help you understand uh, you know, the first Ninja Turtle, it almost had, like, this gritty Tim Burton Batman feel to it. Well, a lot of, a, a lot of like, parents were not happy with it. They weren't happy with the swearing. They weren't happy with the violence with the weapons. So in this one, they cut down the swearing, and they refused to let the Ninja Turtles use their weapons, which means they had to come up with creative ways to use them. Like in one scene, Leonardo throws his swords into the ceiling and uses them as holds as he like sits up and kicks the dude in the chest. And um, but so the opening scene of the film, the Ninja Turtles are stopping a mall robbery, and it has quite possibly some of my favorite physical comedy in any film of all time. There's a scene mm-hmm. where Donatello pretends to be like a a, a bop it thing going back and forth. Um, Michelangelo in fucking just as an adult, it's funnier. He grabs a dude with Italian sausage at an Italian sausage place, 
pulls him over the side, and then all you see is Michelangelo, like, leaping up, but in, like, I don't want to... I guess I have to doggy style position and coming back down on him yelling, do you want a pickle? I'll give you a pickle. Uh, and, then he's, and then he jumps over the side, grabs two more sausages and uses them like nunchucks to go after because apparently the nunchucks could be used if they weren't actual nunchucks and were instead sausages. And so, um, uh, that all happens. This young pizza guy comes in named like Danny or something. And Danny, uh, Danny is a very good ninja. And Raphael's like, wow, thanks for helping us. And then he punches him in the face and throws him in a trash can and takes the pizza away from him because it was their pizza. They ordered it, mm-hmm. but <laughs> just deck this kid and leave him down there. And so then they celebrate by going back to April O'Neil's house and they're all happy. They're mocking stuff. They're like, uh, someone's like, what if Shredder's going to come back? At which point Raphael is like, are, are you are you fucking kidding me? You remember the last movie? Like, we threw him off of a 20-story building into a garbage compactor that then activated and then compacted him. Mm-hmm. So he's dead. It's fine. Cut to the garbage dump. And this is probably at least two to three weeks after the initial movie where you see in a pile of garbage a surprisingly non-compacted hand rise out as it is revealed that the Shredder is back. So Shredder is back and uh, then the next day the Ninja Turtles are all hanging out and uh, they're cleaning April's apartment. Donnie makes out with a mop. It's just, you know, random shit happens. Um, then they're just like, wait a minute, April's on TV. Let's see what she's talking about. So they flop over to April's channel and basically they're talking about this company called TGRI and how there was this big nuclear spill that happened and they're working on doing cleanup. And that's when it cuts to April's point of view. They get done with the interview and there's this TGRI guy who's kind of like, just like a nutty professor. He's just like, all right, well, I'm here. I fuck you. And then April's camera guy, who we find out later is working with the Foot Clan, runs mm-hmm. off, goes into the nuclear waste site. And there are these giant, like, have you been to Hobby Lobby and seen the massive oversized flowers? Oh, yeah. It's those. And in quite possibly my favorite line read of the whole film this man just walks up to one of them and just like looks breaks it and just goes dandelions and then just runs away and it took me literally 20 years of my life until i realized that he was talking about the flowers being dandelions meaning for a very lengthy amount of time i just thought he was a crazy man saying dandelions so you just didn't know what a dandelion was. Well, no, because, you know, I was, I was used to white dandelions. Like, after they bloom, oh. they become the floof. And so then someone's like, no, no. So that's not so much a buck wild moment as just you being bad at agriculture. No, wait, hold on. To be fair, the line read is also very bad. Um, <laughs> so then uh, Master Splinter comes downstairs and he's like, hello. F- fucking what's up? Come with me. And so, um, after hearing, 
don't know if that's quite Master Splinter's dialogue, but I like it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, what the fuck's up, guys? How you doing? And so, um, Master Splinter then uh, calls the Ninja Turtles up, and he's just there like, why, why have you brought us today? dude and he's like fucking check this shit out and he pulls out back this cloth and he pulls back a surprisingly well-preserved glass vial that uh he puts together and it literally is cut like in dashes to look like a fake break and he holds it up and it says tgri and they're like oh my god that means that that's the ooze that mutated us and he's like yeah Apparently, when I transformed into a sentient rat, I had the forethought to keep this fucking thing until... So, and so, he's just like, and the glass is very well preserved, wouldn't you agree? And they're like, yeah. And so they figure, they decide to go into TGRI and try to find the ooze that mutated them. And when they get there... Oh, also, earlier, um, the camera guy brought the dandelion to, like, the new leader of the Foot Clan, who is my favorite, because if you think of an aggravated Japanese man, that's all this dude... Like, you know how Link only speaks in grunts? That's this guy. He's just like, Hut! Hada! Dandelion! (laughs) And so, uh, in the middle of that, Shredder appears, and, um... He sounds like a child, not Shredder. The other guy sounds like a child because he just goes, my master, Shredder. And then Shredder is just like, there's one thing left. Revenge. So Shredder's back. Um, Mm -hmm. And so Ninja Turtles are there and they figure out the TGRI has gotten rid of all of the ooze vials except for one. Not sure fucking what. Oh, wait, I do remember now because the TGRI guy from earlier was looking, and he was just like, ah, this is the last vial. And then the Foot Clan is like, the fuck it is! And then choke him out and take the vial. And then the Ninja Turtles go in, and they basically look, and they're like, they're all gone except for this one. It says active. And they're like, what does that mean? And then they crash the computer system because Donatello is still just a fucking turtle and does not know how computers work. And so um, then behind them, the Foot Clan shows up because they were ninjas, but still decided, fuck it, we're just going to hang around, I guess. And so they get into this big fight where the Ninja Turtles end up surfing on random shit, and they end up doing weird football maneuvers. <laughs> and But unfortunately, the Foot Clan get the ooze and they run away, and then... Uh, turtles go back to April's apartment and they're like, we fucked up. Uh, probably, should we just go back into the game plan? Yeah, we fucked up today, didn't we? And they're like, yeah. And then, uh, oh, his name is Kino. That's his name. The fucking pizza guy from the beginning of the movie. He shows up at April's apartment and in what is a very kind of sexually creepy scene, Kino knocks on the door and April is just like, hey, and he's like, brought you a pizza? I didn't order a pizza. Oh, it must be for someone else. Cracks open the door and enters on his own. And I'm like, excuse me, sir. That's not, I don't care if you think there are mutated animals in here or not. That is not how you treat a client of Pizza Hut. Oh, he, the 90s was a different time. Yeah, exactly. So he walks in. He uh, he asks April about the nunchucks on the desk, at which point she's like, I do a lot of chucking. And then all of the Ninja Turtles at once uh, face palm. And then Kino steps on, I think, Raph's foot, and then all the turtles come out, and then he passes out. Because any in all of these films, anytime a turtle is shown, 
the human has to pass out, and I don't understand why. And so, then they tell Kino about the Ninja Turtles, and then Kino tells them that um, that the Foot Clan has been trying to recruit them, at which point Raphael is like, no, 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 that's a great idea. We should try to take him in, and then we can get on the inside with Kino. And the rest of the Turtles are like, this is a teenager. We're not endangering him by putting him with the Shredder. And they're like, oh, well, fuck it. And so then they realize they need to leave April's apartment because they don't want April getting hurt. So they go and find this gorgeous, it's like the Sistine Chapel of the sewer. And they go inside and they find their new home, except Raphael isn't there because he's off with Kino as Kino is trying to get into the Foot Clan. And in what might be my favorite fucking scene of all time of the most impossible task given to a human being ninja or not they hold they have this big mannequin and it's covered in bells and they're just like remove as many bells as you wish but if i hear one noise you fail also we work inside or we work in secrecy and then he throws down a smoke bomb so you can't see it Allowing Raphael to sneak in and do it for Kino. And I'm just sitting here like, if you didn't want anyone to interfere, I wouldn't use a smoke bomb. Because then it's probably pretty easy for somebody to interfere in your little experiment here. Um, Anyways, Kino uh, comes out of the smoke with all the bells and is like, is this enough? And they're like, yeah, sure. And uh, then Kino gets put into the Foot Clan and Raphael ends up... Raphael ends up getting caught by Shredder somehow. I can't remember. And then Kino ha- like runs away to try to get the rest of the turtles. And uh, he eventually finds them. And then they... Oh, fuck. How have I left this out? My favorite characters in the whole film. So the reason they stole the ooze was Shredder was like, I'm going to make my own Ninja Turtles. Except I'm going to use dangerous animals. So he uses a snapping turtle so he didn't really think too hard on the whole i want to make something different than a turtle thing and then the other one is a fox it's it's a more it's a more snappy boy yeah it's an angrier turtle (laughs) he was just sitting back like could i make a turtle angrier (laughs) and so um he gets these the giant turtle in a giant i think it's a fox named toka and rezar and they're the best because they're fucking idiots like they come out and they're just like hello mama and they look at shredder and start calling him mama and then i lied earlier this film has a lot of good like good reads but my favorite read of all time which is after shredder like gets embraced by these two giant mutants realizing that they are idiots and not capable of the damage he wants just runs out into the camp and screams to the heavens babies they're babies <laughs> which, that probably is my favorite moment of that film yeah at which point the scientist comes out and it's just like yeah they're what the fuck were you expecting yes they're babies and he's just like whatever but then he finds out that they can still like fuck up shit because they're giants so it's godzilla syndrome they're babies but they're still damaging stuff because of how big and scary they are so anyways uh, Ra- uh the rest of the ninja turtles go to rescue Raphael. And, oh shit, I forgot about this scene. Um, They all get caught in a net, and Shredder's about to kill them all, and then Splinter 
shows up out of fucking nowhere, shoots a bow and arrow that I don't know where he got. He just now has a bow and arrow. Shoots it, and it unleashes the turtles, and they can start battle. And they start taking out the Foot Clan, but then Toka and Razor come out and really fuck them up good. And so uh, they're like, we gotta get out of here. So they find a uh, they find a sewer grate, go in, and they go back home. With the TGRI guy, I think. They have, they got basic, now they got the whole crew together. Whole crew together is in the forest, or not the forest, in the sewers. And they go back to their new home, at which point he's just like, I created the ooze, and I know of a way to do an anti-mutagen. And they're like, okay, cool, let's make it. And apparently they didn't give a shit about cross-contamination, because nothing, everything's dusty. They use an old Simpsons glass to mix it in. At one point, Michelangelo drops a slice of pizza in it, and that doesn't fuck up the mutagen. They're like, no, that's fine. It's cool. And so they finally make these mutagen tablets, and they're like, all right, let's go take down the bad dudes. <laughs> that was an exact line read mm-hmm. from the film. And so um, Shredder actually invited them to like a real place to fight the new tur- like the new mutants. And so he, uh, the turtles all show up and, you know, when you have these mutagens, you're like, ah, it would be delivered through like injection or maybe a spray that, well, I guess a spray wouldn't work because then it would hit the turtles and turn them back into normal turtles as well. But like, you know, you'd think there would be an easy way to administer it. No, the turtles did the most bass backwards thing in that they bought like Krispy Kreme donuts and jammed crystallized versions of the mutagen inside. And they're just like, all right, eat a donut before this battle. This carb load, bro. At which point, um, I can't remember. It's it's one of the two big mutants grabs the donut. And I don't know why they now suddenly have the intelligence to think is this poisoned? Because they crush it in their hands and they see the mutagen inside. And they're like, oh, we're not going to eat this. And they're like, oh, shit, we fucked up. And so now... Somehow they end up getting the mutagen in them. I can't remember how. I don't know if they force-fed them donuts or something. And so um, they battle around the arena for a little bit. And then, you know how yours had an appearance from 90s rap group, uh, fucking Digital Underground. Well, get ready for my 90s rap group because Toka kicks Michael, no, kicks Raphael through a wall. That was thin as shit, and on the other side, Vanilla Ice. Don't know why Vanilla Ice is here in this old abandoned warehouse, but he's here and he's throwing a party. (laughs) And he is performing for everybody. And the Ninja Turtles go in and start battling with them. And instead of the crowd doing the logical thing, which is getting the fuck out, because these things are going to kill them, they instead start fucking dancing around them as Vanilla Ice improvs an entire rap song about Ninja Turtles. And so, uh, at some point during the battle, uh, the TGRI doctor is just like, well, carbon dioxide could speed up the uh, anti-mutagen process, perhaps we could do something with that. And then, and what is a scene that would be horrifying if it was anything other than, like, rubber-suited creatures? Michelangelo and Raph, like, mount, mount them and shove 
fucking fire extinguishers into their mouth and then basically choke them to death with them. And then a few <laughs> minutes later, they're tiny turtles and a fox. And then, of course, to end it all, they have to go dance on stage with fucking Vanilla Ice. Mm-hmm. But that's not all, Blake Tanner. All right, we're running real long here, so... Oh, I know, we're at the end. Because now Shredder's there, and he has the ooze, and he's like, oh, no, the ooze. But then Kino jumps on stage for some reason and fucking kicks the ooze out of the guy's hand, but then they're like, well, that wasn't a good idea either. But then Shredder drinks more ooze, but then Michelangelo has a... I'm trying to now speed run it. Michelangelo has a guitar uses the guitar and an amplifier like Marty McFly in the beginning of Back to the Future 1 to blast Shredder outside. But then the mutagen begins to take effect and it turns a normal Japanese man into former WWF champion Diesel Kevin Nash. Because now Shredder is massive, his outfit has mutated, because that's not how armor works. Somehow the mutagen hit the outfit and made it bigger, takes the turtles down underneath him into the dock, and then he like they're staring at him, and they're like, basically, we're fucked. I think Leonardo starts praying to the gods of ninjas at that point, and then Shredder takes down the entire, like, um deck above them it crushes the ninja turtles it crushes shredder so now shredder's dead and then the next scene as you're worried about the turtles being dead are just four shells popping up unmoving so now the ninja turtles are dead until they finally pop up and uh mikey's like god i'm glad i love being a turtle and then um they go back to the house and then splinter um holds up a newspaper that says uh like ninja rap rules the world and he's just like tin flips now go ninja go ninja go i made another funny and then it goes into the credits and that's ninja turtles 2 secret of the ooze right it didn't it didn't start to pick up until the very end but i still think to be honest that the third TMNT movie, Turtles in Time. No, that's the video game. The third one is actually, it's TM, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 Shonen Jump or something. But I No, it, it's just TMNT 3, but it is also affectionately known as Turtles in Time. I thought that was the mo- most buck wild of the three. It was, but I also didn't know it as well. Whereas with this one, I knew I could make commentary on small things like dandelions. <laughs> I, I sent you a picture. Of Dan Aykroyd's character. Okay. Blake, this may be the coin flip that decides. This may be the coin flip that decides. And also, he's gonna have to be over your screen. So the people at home can see it. Oh, it might be too hot for Twitch. Let me see. Oh, God! He looks like the first draft... Of, like, a fucking Harry Potter troll. His nose is a penis, Scotty. His nose is straight up a penis. Oh, wait, hold on. And this is the moment right uh, after he deep throats a hot dog. Yeah. And he moves it in and out of his mouth over and over again. Oh, yeah. I wasn't I wasn't going to get too heavy on the commentary of the little moments until you brought that shit, so. I don't know, bro. 
I, I believe in Ninja Turtles too. I I thought it was good. It had some good line readings, but I don't know. I just never I'll, saw the. I, I I was more with you in the fact that I never saw TMNT as a crazier film. I think it. I I think it. I think it merits it, dude. I think some. You have Vanilla Ice. You have Baby Mutants. You have a lot of weird shit going on. Yeah. In mine, though, you do have giant babies that have big wrenches. Um, no, that's also th- that's the you, Bludgeon Brothers. That's the new WWE tag team. No, those are hammers. Yeah. I don't also, know, dude. This one's this one's a tough one. Mm-hmm. I think we're I think we're both bringing to the table relics of their era that, looking back on them now, are really buck wild. Yeah. I could show you the scene involving Bobo and Little Devil. Little Devil. No. His name is actually Little Devil, but it's Little Devil. Little Devil. Okay, you know what? I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. I oh, I was you- about to show you John Candy in drag uh, with a blowtorch. Oh my god, I forgot. Yeah, It's been a while since I've seen this movie. I was fixed to see, yeah, we both brought like club bangers today. Okay, you know what? While yeah. we, while we while we contemplated it, Blake, what did you learn this week? Um Oh, I need to contemplate that too. Well, I know that all I learned was that when the midnight hour is close at hand, Larry the Cable Dan Whitney will turn he will turn and offer you some Prilosec and you need to run. That's all you need to do in those moments is run. I learned that uh, the only person that you could ever hope to serve up the hottest balls is Larry the Cable Guy. Larry the Cable Guy! Oh, man. So, Blake, where can they find you on the internet? And where can they find this picture of fucking John Candy and drag? Uh, You can find me at Blake A. Tanner on Twitter. You can find me at Blake A. Tanner on Instagram and also on YouTube at the Darkroom Vidya. That's Darkroom V-I-D-Y-A. Mm-hmm. And do uh, we do video game stuff over there, too. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at Scotty Mo. That's S-E-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O. Buy all my books on Amazon. There's Queasel Corp, which is spelled Q-U-E-Z-A-L-C-O-R-P. There's Queasel Corp, Queasel Corp Risen, and then, of course, B.S. versus the Gods, the book where me and Blake face Grecian gods, and it's more buck wild than anything in this entire fucking tournament. I can guarantee you that right now ladies and gentlemen make sure to pick up all of the uh all of make sure to check out all of the other bs network products online at a load of pure bs.com there's opposite attractions the show where i build a theme park with jim murphy there's fight boys our pro wrestling podcast all of that make sure to pick up your bs merch at merch.aloadofpurebs.com and of course ladies and gentlemen make sure if you want donate over on our patreon page patreon.com slash a load of bs and find us on twitch twitch.tv slash a load of bs if you don't watch us live do it man we need people hanging out it's the best and as always ladies and gentlemen you can find us at a load of pure bs.com buy our merch at merch.aloadofpurebs.com donate to the patreon find us on facebook follow us on twitch and remember ladies and gentlemen you can find both of us on twitter at a load of pure bs except no substitutes and we will see you next week